Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Executive Insights Podcast. My name is Elliot Sloan with the McCallum Group. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Wendy Trubo, the president and co-founder of Five Journeys Wellness Practice. Wendy, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. We look forward to learning about your professional experience and the journey you've been on launching Five Journey Wellness Practice. Thanks, Elliot. Great to be here. So tell me a little bit about your professional career and experience. Sure. I did not start out trying to be an entrepreneur. My dad is an OBGYN, and I actually swore I would never be an OBGYN. And then, of course, went into obstetrics and gynecology because I fell in love with it in medical school. And so about three years into practice, I got diagnosed with celiac disease, which is the sort of end result autoimmune reaction to gluten. And the person who diagnosed me was a functional medicine doctor who was also my husband's mentor. So the first time I saw him, it opened my eyes to the possibility that there was a different way to do medicine and healthcare. And fast forward to a few years later, my husband looked at me, so funny, he said, I'm thinking April. We had two young kids. It was like January. He said, I'm thinking April. I'm like, vacation? Because I won't plan it. It's him. He plans them. I was like, are we going on vacation? He said, oh, no, I meant to open up my own place. And I was like, oh, that's so not what I thought it would be. But we ended up opening our first center in July of 2008. And we were completely bootstrapped, which means we had no outside investment. We were on a shoestring. We grew within five months from that one employee to 26 employees. So by January of 2009, we had 26 employees. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, what what was the specialty of medicine that he was providing? He was it was a functional medicine practice okay. and and it was called Visions Healthcare and the visions of visions was to bring this care to people in a way that was impactful and allowed them to live lives of health and well-being and and vitality. And it was an extremely compelling message and everyone who heard it said, "I want to do that." So people flocked because because part of the mission is to bring this type of care to the wider population. And it's not going to happen if it's only for the elite. So we chose to take insurance and chose not to be a concierge practice because at the time, either you were a concierge practice and didn't take insurance or you took insurance. So there wasn't all the membership practices didn't really exist the way they exist now. That's been an evolution. So in business, don't grow too fast. It's the death, kiss of death, because you don't have the opportunity to train your team, get the systems in place, ensure that everyone's on the same page. Then rule number two is don't be undercapitalized, meaning have enough cash either for a rainy day or to even pay yourself, right? we He didn't take a salary for like, I don't know, seven months and we were just funneling all the money back into growing the business. But because we were growing so fast, we were growing faster than our capital could. So we were always short of cash. And then three, make sure you have amazing people on your team. And if they're not amazing, get rid of them. Because we had grown too fast and were undercapitalized, we didn't catch those people and and that they weren't pulling in the same direction as us until they had damaged the organization in certain ways. And then the fourth rule of business is make sure your systems keep up with your growth. 
So we went through like five phone systems, two or three electronic health records. We couldn't keep up with the growth and it hamstrung us. Were you doing a lot of digital marketing? How did you go from zero to a hundred so quickly? Yeah, great question. So Elliot, if if you have someone in your life who is, we basically have three categories of patients. We have people who are chronically ill, wheelchair bound, homebound, can't work, chronically ill. Then we have what I call the walking well. You're getting through your days, but maybe you have some fatigue or hair loss. You can't get rid of the five pounds around your waist, or you have you know, poor desire, you have menstrual issues or gut issues. And then there's the athlete who wants to have peak performance. The first two categories by far are the largest categories. And so if you imagine someone in your life, they've not felt well, and then they go to this practice and they do something and you don't really know what they did, but you know that their energy is better. They look better. They look younger. Their hair is better. They've lost the weight. Really getting to the root cause of things is very impactful and profound. So if you're that person, you're telling everyone you know. So in our initial years, word of mouth was 90% of how we grew. Wow. You had a lot of people screaming from the rooftops. What a game changer your team has been for their loved ones. And and it, it continues to be a game changer, Elliot. I mean, the things that we do for health are really about health as opposed to reaction and band-aiding. And so it's extremely impactful for people. Let's talk about where things got choppy and the practice made some bad decisions. So, so it's so funny. I guess to answer your question, I have to talk about what we did in this company. So when our other company closed, it was the perfect storm because all of those bad decisions culminated in 2015 when we had, uh, I don't, I'm not sure where you live, but I live in Massachusetts and it was called Snowmageddon. We had like, I don't know, 15 feet of snow in, in a very short period of time. And people stopped going to the doctors. We now have revenues that are down by 20%. So we were already undercapitalized. Now our revenues are down 20%. But we have 112 employees at this point with 30,000 square feet of real estate and 20,000 patients. And this is like changing the wheels on the bus when you're trying to drive it, right? So how how quickly were you from one employee, one office to... 100 employees and 30,000 square feet of space? Yeah, great question. We opened in 2008. So we went from one to two in about three years for locations and then closed one down and kept this huge one. Uh, And then went, we were 26 employees by, by five months after opening. And then about a year later, we were like 50 and it grew by about 25 a, a year until we plateaued and stayed. I mean, when we closed, we were about 116, I think. And how many providers at that point? We had 25 providers. Wow. Of those providers, some of them were uh, wellness providers. So we had about 15 physicians and about 10 to 12 wellness providers, acupuncture, body work, chiropractic, energy work, yoga therapy, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction. We had a number of different providers who did non-medical. Wow. Yeah, it was big. That was a big operation in a short yeah. period of time. Yeah. Tell me about the collapse. Yeah. So when Snowmageddon hit, revenues are down. Our team is fledgling. We don't have cash. We're over, we're over 
we're overstretched in our commitments. And it, it essentially underscored all of the cracks and put a chisel into them and started hammering at the cracks. So that's when it got very clear that some of the members of our team shouldn't be on our team. You know, we weren't all pulling in the same direction. And that happened February, March of 2015. And by August, we closed. So we closed within about a five-month period. It was very fast and very traumatic for people, right? Because people no longer had their doctors. Like, where did everyone go? So it was pretty traumatic. Not only for your team, but the patients were probably devastated. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It, it was an awful experience for everyone involved. But they say you're not trying hard enough if you don't fail. We failed big, man. You were trying hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how much time you took to regroup before yep. you got back involved with creating Five Journeys Wellness. That closed in August. and But every day, every night, I spent the next few months closing down the buildings because it just closed. <laughs> like We had 30,000 square feet of real estate. And we spent a lot of time talking about who are we meant to be in the world because that really had us question what's our what's our purpose here mm-hmm. and what we got down to was yeah actually we are meant to do this 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 is our legacy and our purpose in life the way that we went about it in round 1 didn't work so how do we create version 2 not so much in reaction to what didn't work because a lot did work, right? I mean, think about it. We had 20,000 patients. It's a huge impact. So we took the components that worked well, the functional medicine, our training, hiring amazing people. We kept that. And then what we said was, okay, we need some new ground rules. So growth for growth's sake is no longer what we do. So the ground rules we established are that as we create this next company, it needs to be sustainable, scalable financially rewarding and reproducible. Sure. So we instead of working around and folding ourselves into other people's lives, what we said was it has to fit those four criteria every time. And and if you have a great product and you are properly capitalized and you train your staff well and everyone's moving in the same direction and your systems work and it's scalable, reproducible, uh, financially viable and sustainable, you're going to do very well. Because sure. you've you, you've put together the components of a business that will weather downturns because there's always a downturn. Sure. And as providers are going through their education, they're learning how to treat patients. They're not mm-hmm. learning how to grow a business. Right. Which is a very common issue in the market with providers who want to leave a health system or leave a practice to start their own brand and their own practice because they have a vision of how they can better serve the communities. Yeah. But they're so under equipped and lack experience with growing a successful business and having very clear cut path to getting to where they're trying to go. So Unfortunately, you went through such turbulence, but it probably, looking back at it, was the best thing that could have ever happened yeah. for the future of your your journey. Yeah, I, I would say, let's be real. Like, you know, my husband went bankrupt. We lost all of our money except our house. We lost our reputations. We lost what we had built for seven years. So we lost a lot, right? 
And on the other, and, and what I'll say is there's always hope always because we came through it and on the, and, and we're still married, which is really the, I think the most amazing part Young because we failing business. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. I, it was a, it was a real Testament to the work we did because we said, we're never going to let our relationship be a casualty of our business. The, the relationship comes first. And All right. Let's talk about when you launched five journeys wellness and let's talk about the success of the round two version two of this wellness practice. The vibe that I always wanted to set out to create, and I think we've done a good job, is is welcoming and committed to you and about your health and uh, full service. And, and so we opened in January of 2016. So we're six and a half years old. Okay. And we have 17 employees. So we have fewer employees now than we did five months after opening Visions. Sure. And it's on purpose, right? We were kind of traumatized. We were like, let's slow this down. We didn't hire. We had my mom. She helped us open the company and she was our receptionist and admin staff. And then about a year later, so you know, a full year in, we hired our first non-family employee. We went really slowly. We made the other mistake, which is to go too slowly, but no one's ever going to fault you for that. It didn't get us in any financial danger or overextended. We were able to pay ourselves first. You know, it, it really allowed us the time to figure out how to do it right. So you opened about 2016. Yep. And now, um, how many patients are you serving? And tell me about what's your core offering. Our core offering is functional medicine. Yep. Alongside that, we'll offer pap smears and GYN exams. We'll do an acute visit. We do do primary care for people who really need it. But the bulk of our practice is consultative. So you keep your primary care doctor. You come to us to fix the problems and you keep your primary for when you have strep throat, that kind of thing. And we opened in a membership model. So we take insurance and we have a membership company that people pay membership fees to. So it's like belonging to a, a gym. You belong to the practice. So our the the visits take longer. We spend about an about an hour with new patients and about a half hour with follow-up patients. So sure. we compare that with the national average where you have seven minutes per patient. In seven minutes, you don't get into most of the stuff we get into because you don't have time. Of course you not. You get and- <laughs> Are you um, servicing most of your patients in an office brick and mortar setting, or are you able to help a lot of patients through telemedicine? Yeah, COVID really changed a lot of that because people could reach us in a way that they couldn't reach us before. So we have a brick and mortar setting. I'm sitting in it. Yep. This is the corner of my office. And so we have that and on site we have we have on site IVs so you'd obviously have to come on site for that and yeah. we have consultation we have nutrition we have supplements and then we have the membership so we have all these different pieces that fit together and then we do offer telemedicine so we also do that yeah that allows you to tap into a much larger audience that might not be within driving distance of the right. practice 
months. Right. And we also do online programs so that people who may not be ready for a membership can do a wellness program and start to dip their toe in, right? Like just, just see what it's like if you clean up the way you eat for a month. How do you feel? Sure. So we do, we do that too. Would you say functional medicine is more of a preventative approach versus a reactive approach to healthcare? I'd say it's both. Okay. In the sense that it's reactive. If you show up, like I did, I showed up, I had celiac disease. It was undiagnosed. That was a reactive behavior. I really needed to eliminate gluten because it was killing me. But then, or if you show up with irritable bowel, I mean, except for those athletes who really want to be in peak peak shape and, and will spend whatever they need to, to get there. Most people don't say nothing's wrong. Work me up, right? People say something's wrong. Do a workup on me, figure me out, and then you fix it. But sure. people come in the door for a reactive issue and they, they continue because we're doing prevention. Everybody has a family history and nobody wants to live their family history. Sure. So why do you think functional medicine is able to do what I'm hearing, better diagnostics and identifying uncovered issues more efficiently than maybe your general practitioner or family medicine doctor? Like, Why are your patients screaming from the rooftops, you have to go to this practice, they have changed my life? What is the biggest game changer between their experience with your practice and maybe a general practitioner? I think there's a lot in the experience. The first thing that's really notable is think about what tools are you using? Whatever industry you're in, you have tools for the industry. Now, imagine your tools are outdated and you're using tools from the 1500s or from the 1800s. It's not going to get you where you want to go. So the general practitioner who's who's looking for how to treat their patient is using what I would consider to be the wrong tools for the job. Okay. That's a hugely inflammatory statement. And I don't mean to like throw flames on because physicians are amazing. And if you're looking for emergency care, obstetrical care, surgical care, then the conventional route is proper because if you have a mechanical issue, think of it, you have a baby inside, it needs to come out. That's mechanical. But if you have something where you're looking for peak performance and you're looking for optimal health, the tools of the conventional system aren't designed for that. They're designed for reacting to a problem and minimizing the symptoms. And, and the philosophy in functional medicine is less about masking the disease and more about resolving the disease. Would you say it's a very much a holistic approach looking at the mind and the body as a whole versus treating one body part? It's called five journeys because we say that there are five unique aspects to health. There's your physical body. That's your bones, your ligaments, tendons, your structure, your spine. There's your chemistry, which is what a lot of people refer to around functional medicine, which is your minerals, nutrients, hormones, toxins, absorption. Sure. Then there's your emotional aspect. The things you say to your health can make you sick. So how are you relating to yourself? And then your social health, how are you relating to others? Are you part of a community? Are you isolated? These are things that critically impact your health. And then your purpose. Why are you here? What is the legacy you want to make? If you don't have a purpose, why on earth would you eat well, take your supplements, exercise, get to sleep enough? Because you have no reason to. 
So put those together. That's your health. So I have been listening to a lot of health and wellness audiobooks and podcasts and getting into meditation myself for the past six months or so. And it's really been giving me more clarity. I've been feeling healthier and happier. Talk to me about the importance of mindfulness and how that impacts your physical health. Because I'm hearing time and time again that chronic diseases can be onset by having unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy exercising of your brain, so to speak. Yeah, that's a, it's a great thing to point out. I'm uncomfortable saying your thoughts can make you have a chronic illness. Sure. I'm not comfortable going that far. But what I will say is when you look at the interplay of health, and that is your food, your sleep, your thoughts, your relationship to others, the toxins you're exposed to. I always say to people, like, think of yourself like a blended soup. You can kind of taste the garlic or the mushrooms or the celery, but you can't fully pull it out and you can't extract it once it's in. There's a lot that goes into developing autoimmune disease, cancer, degenerative disease, chronic illness, but often people will be able to identify they had a trigger. So a car accident or a bad breakup or the dissolution of a marriage or losing a home or even selling a home. There's some event or losing a job. There's something that happens for people that serves as a major stressor and that stressor then essentially sets the whole domino effect in motion. And then if it's a stressful event and then your interpretation of it is very disempowering and then you tell yourself repeatedly, I'm so stupid. I'm such a bad person. I don't deserve anything well or good. That has a chemical change in your body. So you have a, th- you have a stressful thought, your adrenals are going to kick in. And your adrenals, when they kick in, they're keeping you alive because the lion's about to eat you. That's all your adrenals know. And then if your adrenals kick in, they say to the liver, guys, don't do detox. It's not a priority right now. So now you start to accumulate your toxins and your hormones that are supposed to be leaving you. And the adrenals say to the gut, shut down because we need to, we really need to focus on living and excretion is not a focus right now. So now you have bacteria in the gut that are just rotting. And these are some of the steps that start to encourage the pathway of pro-inflammation and not health. So your thoughts matter. Managing your mind matters. The questions you ask matter. All right. I'll leave you with one question. What would be in a shorter response, uh, what would be your main advice to providers that are looking to launch their own practice and their own brand? What would be your most important advice to give them? Get really clear about what it is you want to provide. Hire the right people who are strong where you're not. Don't be undercapitalized. Don't grow too fast. Have good systems and make sure it's sustainable, scalable, reproducible, and that it's financially rewarding for you. I think you've shared some amazing insights with us today. And there'll be a lot of listeners that will find a lot of value from you sharing your story. So we really appreciate your time and coming on. Thank you so much, Dr. Trubo. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Elliot. Have a wonderful day. You too.